Hey, what is up, ladies and gentlemen? This episode is going to go out there to my bat family. That's right, on today's podcast, and I apologize for uploading this one so late. Um, this one, we're going to rate Batman films. Now, I haven't put all of the Batman films on here. There's some missing, so you're just going to have to bear with me. This is my list, my podcast, so forget it. You're the listener. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go over, I'm going to say the most popular ones, and I'm going to go over them in from least great to the greatest, at least the ones that I see as the greatest, in my opinion. So, let's, without further ado, just jump back into it. First one I've got on the list here, I put Batman and Robin with George Clooney. Now, this one, just about everybody can agree, is easily the worst one. The reason this one is just so bad is, I mean, George Clooney, I I can appreciate him in some of his films. I really can. But Batman, not really his style. He just, he, he smiled too much. He, you know, he made Batman too campy. And I really can't put all the blame on him. Even the director, Joel Schumacher, in later interviews, blamed studio executives for pushing the film to be, and he quote, and I quote, fun and toyetic. And George Clooney himself has actually been known to refund people who went and saw the film when it came out in theaters many years ago. So it's, you know, it's it's pretty bad. I mean, when, when you have actors and directors sitting there trashing their own film, you know, you know something's wrong there. Even um, even when filming wrapped, George Clooney sat there and said, I think we just killed the series. And like I said, it's just they made Batman too happy. They made the whole thing too campy, and the whole thing is just cringy. Plus, you have Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze and all the frozen puns that he gives. And the funny, interesting thing is Uma Thurman said that she felt that the overall tone fit the film very well. She's actually the only one who said anything positive about it. That I just, I I really... The only, only positive thing, actually, I just sat down with myself outside with a cigarette trying to think of the one positive thing that came out of this film, and that has to be that it is the only film with a live-action on-screen Batgirl. It's the only one that does so. So I guess that's the, the one plus I can give this film, but other than that, I really... I just can't stand it, guys. Just everything about it is so, so wrong. So, yeah, I'm going to end that one there. Next one I'm going to jump on. Batman Returns. I know, super, super unpopular opinion. Because everybody loves Michael Keaton Batman. But, it's... There was... It had some more serious undertones than... The, you know, the, the Joel Schumacher Batman films, but the, I'm going to, I'm just going to be straight up with you guys. The whole penguin funeral at the end, the whole memorial thing they have, 
with the giant animatronic or they may have probably were people in costumes the giant penguins that come out and basically do a service for Danny DeVito's penguin I just I, I can't do it can't do it I, I guess it's just because I grew up in a different era of Batman films so and I'll get into those later on but I just gosh they they really really killed me with that one they really did um again that's really and I love I mean Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Keaton did great jobs on their characters respectfully I mean they really did I enjoyed how Michelle Pfeiffer played Catwoman and obviously Keaton did do a pretty good Batman even though he wasn't Bob Kane's favorite which we'll get into in a minute but just again just speaking off the top of my head I, I held on to this movie for as long as I could and then the penguin funeral I just that that was the last straw couldn't do it after that anymore so I know unpopular opinion everybody loves the Keaton Batman films but I gotta put this one at number two here next one I'm gonna put is Batman Forever this is where we see Val Kilmer's Batman now Val Kilmer really did embody the detective part of Batman you know Batman's supposed to be the world's greatest detective and in many other comics he you know he he's able to figure shit out on other worlds that other people can't so he's just the fucking greatest detective regardless and that's when we really start to see the elements of his detective work in this movie um but again Joel Schumacher complained that studio executives were just breathing down his neck you know trying to they I, I don't know if they were trying to attract a younger audience or what they were trying to do um several of the actors sat there and said that Joel Schumacher before filming each scene would sit there with a megaphone on a crane and go remember people this is a cartoon and so at that point it was really hard for people to take the film seriously now speaking for my cousin this is his he's not a big batman guy he's honestly not a big comic book guy in general he's really just strictly the horror and comedy movie type guy never been into the comic book films dc or marvel though he does love deadpool but who the hell doesn't this is his favorite batman film and this is the only one that you know he'll he'll sit there and say this is the only passable batman film and that is only because of jim carrey who is my cousin's favorite comedian and as we all know jim carrey plays edward nigma the riddler in this film so that being said i i do believe that jim carrey did play a good riddler but there was a lot of i really don't know how to describe it except for jim carrey-ness in in the part i mean it's very obvious that you know, we had Ace Ventura playing as the Riddler. And, you know, can I... Jim Carrey has done a few serious films. 
So do I think that he had the script and studio executives and, you know, just the execution of a lot of things? Do I think that had had they gone better or gone for a more serious tone, do I think that Jim Carrey would be a great Riddler? Absolutely. I think Jim Carrey did do, and I think he did do a good job as Riddler, period. Um, and then we won't forget Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face, which I, I, I struggle with this one. Does he look like the, more like the Two-Face from the comic books? Yes. But is, I don't know, something about, something about that Two-Face character. I just couldn't grasp the concept of it. You know, I, again, I guess different era Batman films here. Um, but this is where we see Bob Kane before he passed said that Val Kilmer was his favorite on-screen Batman so far out of those he had seen play him, excuse me, play that character. So, you know, if you have the creator of Batman sitting there saying, you know what, this guy's doing a good job, then you, you know, you got to pay attention to that and so I put this movie third uh just simply out of respect for Bob Kane I mean obviously the man knows what he's talking about he came up with Batman so yeah I'm, I'm gonna respect that um but again you know and this happens a lot of times in films a lot of times you just the studio executives you know, they'll sit there and say, you guys want more money, you better make this, uh, you better make our movie, you know, and it's, it's not what the director and script writer and screenplay writer want, which honestly, it's, it's, it needs to be that way, because they're the ones with the creative mind, not the studio executives, they're just the ones with the money. I feel like there's a lot of movies, a lot, a lot of movies out there that are horrible, but could have been made so well if people like executives just didn't, just kept their paws off of it, you know, just, just fork out the money for the movie and let the people with actual creativity do the fucking work, just leave them alone. We saw this with, um, and I, I know I'm trailing off here. But we saw this with the Fantastic Four reboot with Miles Teller, Michael B. Jordan, um, and you're going to have to forgive me on the the other two actors. But the the director sat there and said, he tweeted, which he then deleted very quickly, he said that I had a very, very, very different film until... The suits got their hands on it and ruined it. And then he quickly ended up deleting that tweet, not before somebody screenshotted it and sent it around. But, you know, we, like I said, we see this happen all the time in cinema. So if there's any studio executives out there, keep your hands off the fucking films. Let the people with the real imagination and creativity do what they're born to do. Um, but yeah, Batman Forever, number three, Bob Kane liked him, so I gotta like him. Um, Jim Carrey, great, decent Riddler, but 
yeah, like I said, too campy. You know, just just too campy, too happy-go-lucky for me in a Batman film. And, which is ironic, because the next one I'm going to talk about is the Lego Batman. And I know what a lot of you are thinking. What, how the fuck is he going to put Lego Batman on this list? And I'm going to tell you how. It's my fucking podcast. And I actually thoroughly enjoy this movie. Even though it's animated and it's made for children. I genuinely feel like if if Batman was just that douchebag frat boy, you know, who, with the super egotistical side, this is exactly who Batman would be. I mean, and the the funny thing is, is Morgan Freeman himself, who played Lu, uh, Lucius Fox in the Dark Knight trilogy, he himself said that this is his favorite adaptation of Batman. And we all love Morgan Freeman. I mean, come on. And the guy's going to live forever. But who, I mean, who, who are we not to listen to Morgan Freeman? And the my favorite thing about this movie is just the little quips about, especially in the beginning in the intro scene where the screen is just all black and you just hear Will Arnett, who voices Batman, just goes, black, all important movies begin with black screens and music really edgy scary music that'll make any parent or studio executive nervous and logos really really long complicated logos and then he goes on and he goes all right it's time for some reading and he he goes, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. And then in the film, at the bottom of the quote, they put Michael Jackson. And he goes, no, I said that. Batman is very wise. I mean, the just the whole freaking thing, just the whole egotistical side of it. Plus, I mean, the way they film these movies, man, like you get you got to sit there and appreciate how much hard fucking work they put in moving these Legos frame by frame by frame. You know, you it's it's just like people who shit on stop motion films. You got to look at how many thousands and thousands of hours it takes just to make one of these movies. And on top of that, towards the beginning, you have Batman who sings a song and it's called Who's the Batman, which is actually on Spotify, and I was so fucking happy I found this song, because it is absolutely hilarious, and just listening to the song just gives you the whole tone for the movie, and it's pretty fantastic, and then you have, you know, the whole family building thing, which Batman, even in the comic books, always struggles with and you know even though he has people with him like batwoman batgirl nightwing red hood then you have damien who's his son he's robin and you have all these people that kind of come together and then you know he's also in the justice league but it's something that he always struggles with because he's always wanting to work alone and they they observe that a lot in this film albeit with a very very comedic tone to it 
But at the same time, there's some pretty good lessons in there. So, yeah, I put this one on number five or number four. Number five is I just kind of made like a category and I just am going to talk about multiple Batman animated films. And the reason I love these animated films so, so much is because of how closely they follow the comics and how they, yeah, they just, they follow the story, you know, the, the fighting in a lot of them is a lot more, I'm going to say hardcore, you know, heavier hits, stuff like that. And they're bloodier because it's animation. So they can get away with a little bit more blood than they can in a live action film. And I, you know, you, you've got Dark Knight Returns part one and two. You've got Batman versus Robin, which is where Damien almost joins the, um, the Court of Owls. And you have, um, and then you also have Batman, Bad Blood, Batman's son of, or son of Batman. You know, you, you have all these films that are just, they, and these, all the ones I listed were directed by Jay Oliva, Oliva, however it's pronounced. And then you get to Batman Killing Joke, where, I mean, this, this movie is almost frame by frame from the comic books, and you have Mark Hamill behind the mic again as Joker, which if Mark Hamill was skinnier and younger, I'm sure he would have made a great live-action Joker, but Mark Hamill is just, I mean, other than, I'm going to say Heath, Le Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix, Mark Hamill's Joker. I'm sorry, guys. Mark Hamill is the Joker, and every time I go back and I read the comic books, I mean, I'm I'm putting Mark Hamill's voice in my head and his laugh. His laugh is just freaking phenomenal. He, and so is Heath Ledger's. Heath Ledger's laugh is great. Uh, but you, you know, you, you get that film. It's not action-packed, but it follows the entire storyline. And you have, you know, and it questions the whole relationship between Batman and Joker. You know, that that theory that is always on everybody's minds, and that is one day, eventually, Joker is either going to kill Batman or Batman is going to kill Joker because Joker is the only one that can push Batman to that edge, to that point, and make him act on it. And there's several times where, for example, in the comic book Batman Hush, where... Batman literally has his hands around Joker's throat and he's about to freaking kill him. And if it wasn't for J Jim Gordon showing up last minute, you know, he would have. And Joker is the only one that could do that to Batman. He's the only one that can. And I mean, this is the Joker Batman relationship I can go over for days and days on end. Uh, but yeah, I just got to give it to those, to those DC animated Batman films. They're fantastic. That's why I put them at number five. 
Next one I'm going to talk about is Batman Begins. Batman Begins was finally we get the more serious. We finally get the more serious Batman film that at least I was looking for. Something with, you know, it something where you know, it's a lot darker and I don't know how to explain it, but it's it's not it's just it's not campy like the older films were. And you get to see Batman's beginning, you know, it's pretty much almost like a year one story and you get the and you get the added benefit of uh the you know scarecrow you have the falcone crime family you have all these elements in this film that you know just made for a better batman film overall the only downside is and it's it's in the other ones that are on this list as well with the nolan batman films is they're almost too realistic his gadgets and stuff like that just don't they're not as they're not as fun as they are in the comic books and you know the fighting is while it's cool and it's great to see on screen you know it's great it's great to see you know these these blows being landed and you know that these heavy hits but you know, Batman is supposed to be able to flip around and use his grappling hook to go from building to building and glide. And the technology, like I said, it's it's going to be the same thing I talk about with the others in the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. But the, yeah, that's that's really the one downside. And the other issue I had with it is Jonathan Crane, a.k.a. Scarecrow, really doesn't have any sorry that motorcycle just went by he's they make him like this little college boy who's trying to sell his fear toxin is basically like a drug and then he infects all of Gotham with it but he's not the edgy creepy like schizophrenic wild scarecrow that he could have been or should have been just like he is in the comic books, the video games, and the animated films, the animated Batman films. So, some give and take on that one. But r really, you know, you get you get to see Michael Caine as Alfred Pennyworth, my favorite on-screen Alfred, hands down. And you get, like I said, you and then that freaking Batmobile that's like a tank. <clears throat> that one right there is yeah so you, you you get you get some of the you 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 start to get what at least I had been looking forward to see in a Batman film next one I'm going to go over is Batman versus Superman number 7 I was really conflicted on where to put this one but and I could have put it higher, but there's just some elements in it that kept me from doing so. And I will say that the ultimate edition of this movie is better, the better of the two. 
And I will also say that Ben Affleck, when I heard that he was going to be Batman, I wanted to vomit. And just like with George Clooney, Batman, you know, Ben Ben Affleck, I mean, there are some of his movies that I like. The Town, Chasing Amy, uh, believe it or not, uh, Pearl Harbor. I know that's not a really common one. And his movie Phantoms. But... I had very serious doubts going into the movie theater trying to watch this movie and see just knowing that Ben Affleck was going to be Batman. And I was proven wrong in many ways. He was able to truly embody the not just the Bruce Wayne character, but the Batman character. A lot of people don't understand is Bruce Wayne... Batman does not see himself as Bruce Wayne at all. Batman sees his true identity as Batman. And he sees Bruce Wayne as his alter ego. And so... With... With Christian Bale's Batman, he was great, great, great... At... The Bruce Wayne character. But his Batman was just a little too light-hearted... And with Ben Affleck's Batman, you finally get to see some of that ferocity, some of that darkness. And I'm also going to go into the technology. Here we see a lot of Batman's gadgets come into play. You know, his utility belt, his grappling gun. When Doomsday is charging after him, you know, he's using his grappling gun, going from building to building and swinging from railings. And is it is it unrealistic as hell? Hell yeah, but it's it's fun to watch. And also the way he fights. The way he fights is a lot more uh just it's just a lot more fun. It's it's totally fake. People can't move that way in real life. But hell, it's what makes Batman Batman. He can do shit that human beings cannot do, even though he himself is a human being. He basically makes himself super. He basically makes himself like a metahuman, is what they call him in the DC universe. Now, downsides. Jesse Eisenberg. Whew. Love, love, love Jesse Eisenberg. I think he's hilarious. I love him in Zombieland. I love him in 30 Minutes or Less. I love him in this movie with Kristen Stewart called Adventureland. But the way they try to portray Lex Luthor in this movie just did not work for me. And they they made him... They tried to make him too crazy. They tried to make him too psychotic. You know, he, he had the the whole, oh, I was abused by my dad, but the gods didn't stop him. And so what What makes you think I'm going to listen to a god now? And he's just going all crazy and he has this god complex and, you know, he's almost like a, a little boy that's got schizophrenia and ADHD and anxiety all at the same time, except he's also a psychopath. So that right there made the film hard to watch. And then the one... The elephant in the room, which is the one that's the most made fun of, is the whole deal with Martha. 
and the fact that that's what makes both Superman and Batman stop fighting is somehow, by some major coincidence, both their mother's names are Martha, and that's enough to throw Batman off and stop him from trying to kill Superman. And I know everybody, everybody sat there and was like, you could have done something different. I'm not going to say I'm going to come up with anything better because honestly and truthfully, I can't. I tried thinking of a way, but the way the rest of the film was set up to that point, you know, I'm sitting there trying to think to myself, how, how, how else could they have eventually teamed up? And I'm just like, well, shit, they, they set the film up that way. They'll basically have to redo the entire last hour and a half of that movie to change the tone and hopefully come up with a different answer. So those two issues are where I didn't rate this one the top one, even though I do think, and God forgive me, and my other Bat family forgive me, I do think that Ben Affleck did a better job as Batman than Christian Bale. I just, that's that's what I have to say about that one there. Um, so I'm going to end that. And I'm going to move on to the last one or last two. Only because I couldn't separate these two. I tried my hardest and I really couldn't. So I basically put Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises together at number eight as the top Batman films. And it was these two movies that really made me go out and start buying Batman comics. This is really when I was like, DC's the shit. Fuck Marvel. Fuck them hard. And it's all about DC. Batman is where it's fucking at. And it was because of these two movies. And I'm gonna say that... You know, the the award does not go to the hero or the heroes. The award here goes to the villains. And I'm going to go in order of appearance, and I'm going to start off with Heath Ledger's Joker. Heath Ledger's Joker will always, always, always go down in history as the best Joker, I believe. I believe it will. Uh, he hasn't been topped yet. Joaquin Phoenix did a great, great job. But it was a different kind of Joker. It was a very, very different kind of Joker. But he did do... He did, like I said, for the script that he had. I mean, that movie was phenomenal. But Heath Ledger's laugh, his menace... And he even, I mean, he even added some elements of humor into his Joker. I mean, there was times, first time I watched it, especially when he does the little pencil trick, I started laughing. I know, I was a sick kid, but I started laughing. And, you know, and then Gamble gets up and he's like, enough from the clown. You know, I'm putting the word out on the street. 500000 for this clown dead. A million alive so I can teach him some manners first. And, you know, and then he's just sitting there holding on the grenades. And he's like, you know, you think you could steal from us and walk away? And he's just like, yeah. And, I mean, it's just that that whole 
he he added like an element of charm, humor, and he was just batshit crazy. No pun intended. Like the Joker is supposed to be. And so that's, I mean, you got to admire the guy. And I mean, he did the part so well that it ended up killing him. You know, OD'd on his prescription drugs. The part just consumed him that much. But he will, his his Joker is going down in history. And in my heart, he is the best Joker. Um, next, I'm going to talk about Dark Knight Rises. And I'm going to talk about Bane. Bane is easily... Batman's strongest adversary, but also his most intelligent. I mean, the guy in The Dark Knight Rises is literally able to take over fucking Gotham and take Batman out of Gotham, and he figures out his fucking identity. He figures out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Nobody knew that. I didn't know that. Did you guys? He figures that shit out. Calls him Mr. Wayne right before they have their first fight. And this dude beats the living hell out of him. And then mocks him when Batman tries using the dark. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to try and sit there and do a Bane voice because I suck at Bane. But he's like, you know, oh, you think darkness is your ally. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man, and by then it was nothing to me but blinding. I mean, he's using, like, everything Batman can throw at him. He's just, like, unfazed. And then he takes over Gotham, puts Batman in the same prison that he was in. And he breaks his back and everything, and you just, you know... Everything is taken away from Batman. Every single thing. Just like in The Dark Knight, Joker turns the whole public on Batman. The entire population is sitting there like he needs to turn himself in or people are going to keep dying. You know, he introduced anarchy. He introduced chaos. People loved the Batman being around. And then he was able to turn it on its head. Flip it. Make people mistrust Batman. And in Dark Knight Rises, you know, he's fucking gone. His Three of his vertebrae are popped out. And he comes back. That is the thing is, and in the comic books and everything is, you know, he was broken mind, body, and spirit. And he just kept coming back. And kept doing the badass shit that he always fucking does. And that is kick some ass. And I remember being in the movie theater when he finally figures out how to break um, how to break the mask. Or how he figures out that the mask is really the key to beating Bane. And he hits him that first time. And people just started cheering when Bane is sitting there just like, ah, oh. And, I mean, it was just so fucking epic. And, I, you know, those two hours and 44 minutes just flew by for me. 
they just absolutely flew by. And I remember seeing The Dark Knight Rises and The Dark Knight probably about six or seven times with my dad in the movie theater alone. And then once each one of them respectively came out on DVD, I watched them like twice a, twice a week for about a fucking year. So I can quote the entire film, both of those films, to you guys, which I'm not going to do, which I'm also sure is stealing intellectual property. Not too sure how that law works right there. But that's, and again, best Alfred. You know, Michael Caine, his sarcasm is not overdone. You know, with Jeremy Irons, I feel like they overdid his levels of sarcasm. And with the Alfred and forgive me what with the Alfred and the Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher Batmans he's just never around you hardly ever see the guy you know he's pretty much absent but Michael Caine is there he's present he's coaching Batman and he's not shy on the quips but they're not overdone and Michael Caine has that beautiful beautiful British accent that is just so soothing every time you fucking hear it. So, that's how I'm going to end this podcast, guys. You let me know what you think. You know, I like I said, I rated The Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises last because there was a quote somebody told me once where, you know, hands down, Batman has the best villains. And you remember heroes not for the heroes themselves, but because they're villains. And Batman, just for Joker alone, will have always have the best villains out there. And Heath Ledger, he brought that to the screen. So, I'm going to end this podcast here, guys. Uh, let me know what you think. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to be doing for my next episode just yet. I'm sure the creative juices will be flowing here pretty soon. Y'all have a good one, and thank you so much for listening. Do not forget to like and subscribe. Thank you.